0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr. We have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Jen Steele. Jen is the VP of marketing at Reprise, a demo creation platform that helps companies sell their products with their product. An enthusiastic advocate for product-led growth. She is excited to get the word out about how Reprise helps companies increase their conversion rates by 60%. Jen, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. So good to be here. I am excited to have you. Um, And, you know, it's funny, like we're... I know that you are like the expert in PLGs, so I may have to like bring you back to the couch later to talk about that. Um, but we're going to cover something completely different today. But before we jump in, I like to do a little icebreaker, have a little woo sa moment that I like to call buzzword banishment. Uh, so tell me, what buzzword would you like to get rid of forever?
1: There is a word that. There is no way that I don't wince when people say it and people often say it in the sales and marketing working together. And that's the word synergy. I uh, absolutely hate it. absolutely hate it.
0: Yeah, I think that is one of those words that most people don't truly understand the definition of synergy. And I, it's almost like they get tired of saying alignment. And so they just switch it
1: up and just start <laughs> saying synergy. Uh, The meaning is great. The word itself. Yeah, I think it's you're right. It's totally misused. And it also I think it's the people who tend to use it are the ones who want to appear smarter than they are. So that (laughs) kind of bugs me.
0: yeah and that's probably one of the common things with the buzzwords i can say that is one i at least don't use i know a lot Woo-hoo. of times the words that people want to banish i kind of cringe a little bit because i'm like i say that like
1: all who time. was it marketing attribution i'm like i used yes. to work invisible for Grant out loud like marketing <laughs> attribution it was my jam what are you talking about
0: yeah that you know there there's so many of them and i'm just you know kind of like you know, shame like that. I say that word all the time, but synergy is one I rarely say. So we can put that one in the box, throw away the key. We will not say synergy while we are at the couch today. Right. Um, So before we go, you know, jump directly in, I like to set intentions. Um, It helps to give us focus and purpose. It also lets our audience know what to expect. So tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today and what would you like to be different after our session?
1: So a big theme in my life is that I like other people to learn from my mistakes and learn from my learnings okay there's that too like I, I occasionally do things correctly and occasionally share that um, but here we're talking about private equity which is easier for me to talk about than a lot of folks who are in private equity since I am no longer in private in private equity owned companies I am now back to venture capital uh, for very good reasons <laughs> <laughs> but um, having worked for a couple of different private equity owned companies um, yeah there are definitely some some tips that I would love for folks to understand and share so that they don't, you know fall into the same holes that maybe I did.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I know this is a hot topic. I mean, we even look at just, how marketing technologies grow year over year, but the same is true for so many other industries and a lot of startup tech companies, and not just tech companies, but you know that, that's a sweet spot are private equity backed, and you have you know a lot of times the the marketers that are the head of marketing aren't super seasoned, uh, and many are working with private equity for the first time. Uh, so <laughs> and so I know and it's always hard because, you know, nobody who's in it can really talk about it because, you know, you don't want to throw your firm under the bus or, or make it, you know, publicly talk about your challenges. So really excited to have you to kind of, you know, pull the lid off, so to speak, uh, <laughs> and be able to give some direction and advice to those people who are trying to lead marketing, uh, trying to grow revenue when they are P.E. backed. Um, So my first question is, if you knew then what you know now, what would you do differently in how you have led marketing for P.E. backed firms?
1: Oh, that's a great question. It's. Well, the one thing you have to keep in mind with private equity-backed firms is that you're being, yes, your board is holding you accountable and it probably did in venture and it does in public public companies, although public companies are obviously a lot bigger usually. But these are finance guys, usually guys, sadly. Or they're such finance guys, they probably pronounce it finance. Um, And so so I've learned. (laughs) And so they're essentially bankers who are, on a more operational board than you found in your venture-backed company. So hmm. I, you know, my first presentation to private equity board, I went in having presented to venture boards, um, you know, yay, here's what marketing does, we're really cheery and here's some metrics and yay, and here's some trash keys and aren't we happy? And that was not what they wanted to see, <laughs> right? Um, Yes, they did want to see the, the sexy stuff, right? We did this at this conference, we did this, and we got these people in the room, and et cetera, and so on. But fundamentally, they were more concerned about what I spent than anything else.
0: Okay, so spend, and I'm assuming
1: return on spend. Well, they look at sales for that. And so sometimes it's really hard to say, hey, marketing does some stuff too here. Now, there are the private equity firms that have the marketing playbook, right? And so, where I spent most of my time did not have a playbook. Well, I kind of wish they had because it would have made my life way easier because <laughs> I could have been like, I know what they're looking for and yet whether or not I agree with it, I could just and do it. <laughs> so, But with, in the absence of a playbook, it was it was a lot of managing expectations around what they could see And as much as I wanted to report on marketing generated revenue, they didn't care as much because that was in the financial section.
0: Okay. So what I'm hearing is the focus is being able to show the activities that are happening. So less around tying to the ROI, but showing here's what we're doing, but almost in a more, it's like, here's what we're doing. But here's what we also spent.
1: right? Well, realize you're you're worshiping at the feet of the EBITDA, right? So unlike a venture backed firm where you're entirely top line revenue focused, you are very much focused in revenue minus cost. Gotcha.
0: Okay, But then they don't like, and I think where the disconnect for me is, but then you also don't want us to show ROI because you attribute right. that to and, sale.
1: and it could be my particular my particular PE board um, were a little on the old school side, and so you know if, if those of us who who date back fifteen years or so back to when marketing was considered arts and crafts, well, that's still their mindset, right? And whereas. A VC firm is probably more hip to the fact that marketing actually generates revenue now. That's only been something we've been talking about in the last 10 years or so. And so it's, that's, I I believe, granted I'm not inside their heads, I could be totally wrong here, but I believe that it's the old school perception of marketing as brand and arts and crafts, basically, that made it so hard for them to grok that I was attempting to m- measure marketing to revenue. <laughs>
0: Okay. And in episode four, I talked to Christina around her grit marketing uh, approach to influence and, and really focusing on how marketing can have that influence in the boardroom. Do you have any advice, you know, if you're working with private equity on how to get more mindshare, you know, how to, how to bring people forward into here's what marketing really does, here's the impact, You know, any advice on kind of making that shift in order to be more effective?
1: Well, it comes down to what we do as marketers all the time. Um, Although, as Christina pointed out, we kind of suck at doing it with ourselves. Um, But it's very much you have to meet them where they are and where they are is in the budget. Right, And I'm fortunate, so marketing is my second career, I actually used to run IT departments. And so I've had budget responsibility for basically my entire career. And somehow I went from IT, which was the most, the biggest cost center to marketing, which is now the biggest cost center. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, and I in fact reported to the head of finance and administration whenever I was in IT. And as such, my discipline around budgeting is really strict. And that actually helped me a huge amount with private equity, because they care about the budget, right? They set the budget at the beginning of the year, you're stuck with it. If you're not making your revenue, you got to cut to get to the EBITDA number, because that is your goal. Um, that's where the brains are. Are we making enough of a profit that we can sell you in five years, right? That That's all they really, like, that's, they want a nice a nice flip on their investment. So you have to meet them where, where their brain is, which is the budget the finance, the return on investment, and then you can say, "Okay, here we go." But they're not going to take some of the squishy ways that sometimes we say, "Oh, and brand did this, right?" They'll they'll look at that as convoluted. So that can be really difficult, um, and it's something that I've had to deal with on a case by case basis. So I don't really have as much insight as I would love to. Sh- I would love to share a rule, but sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't, sometimes they care, and sometimes they don't. Yeah.
0: But no, I do think that that is good advice in thinking about, you know, because I know like in my career, I fought so hard to not be viewed as a cost center to really show the value of marketing. But when you were talking about revenue minus costs, like, you know, those those numbers are, 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 you know, they're hard. Like that that math is clear. And so it is great advice to really think about, like to to put yourself in that position of here is what they're going to look at and, you know, being able to justify the costs and, you know, even though they're not looking at marketing generated revenue, being able to draw direct lines, which when you're talking about building brands, like that is where it is a lot fuzzier and, mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't have those clear lines, which, given that so many startups are PE backed and brand is so important. It's kind of like, here we are in this catch 22 of, right. we got to build brand, but we got to do it with spending as little money as possible so that we've got, you know, good
1: math at the right. end. And that's where getting them excited about things. I mean, they're still humans. Right. And so you can still bring the probably high end swag into the boardroom. Right. Um, don't expect them to be as excited about it as your A-Round investor, but you can still like get them saying, oh, wow, yeah, okay, I can start seeing that. Um, invite them to events that you're like, the, if you're, so I mostly worked with private equity when I marketed to the enterprise. And so I did a lot of account ABM events, right? Um, standard, put some customers and prospects in the room, have them talk to each other and, and magic happens invite them to at the events, take them out to a nice dinner. Like they start seeing, oh, okay, they're speaking my language. Oh, customers really love this stuff that marketing's doing. That that do your own PR basically <laughs> with your board. Okay, so
0: that goes back to, we gotta do better at tooting our own horns yeah. um, and creating that visibility internally is kind of the key takeaway that I take right. from that.
1: And I kind of suck at it, not gonna lie.
0: But. Uh, I mean, so many people do. It's, yeah. it's hard to, you know, sort of market yourself and really, you know, because we're, we're taught not to come across as like arrogant or, mm-hmm. you know, like you're supposed to be humble and, you know, all these sorts of things that are great character traits, but not as great, you know, in the boardroom,
1: especially when you're sitting in the boardroom with sales, who is way better at selling themselves than we are at marketing ourselves. And, and you've got the pre, the predilection of the board members to believe that revenue comes from sales. So now you're sitting there going like, oh, hey, I'm in a, I'm in a great spot here. I, you know, (laughs) you're starting from the bottom of a hole and that's not very good. Um, so you know, kind of
0: what is, if, if we are thinking about, you know, talking to senior marketing leaders who are looking at their next
1: move. Don't do it. No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There are private equity owned companies that are completely amazing. And I'm sure I will probably work for one again someday, unless this podcast gets out. But, (laughs) Um, Yes. And, you know, the the
0: fact that there are challenges does not make them bad. It just means that you can be more effective if you understand what you're walking into. Um, So if, if someone's looking at, you know, or considering private equity backed organizations, are there any criteria that you can say like, you know, is having a marketing playbook, like, is that something that is appealing or are there other things that people should really look for to say that, you know, this might be a path to lease resistance or at least worth it in the end?
1: Right. So by and large, I would say don't go private equity unless you're really good at budget. Um, One of the things that, that I loved the most when I I left my last private equity place at the executive goodbye dinner, the CFO raised a glass and said to Jen, the most financially minded CMO I've ever worked with. You need, I'm not, Hey, look at me toot my own horn here. Um, but (laughs) you need to be financially minded enough that you kind of love budgeting and you love rejiggering it and you like truing it up and you like doing all of that stuff, which I do because there's something wrong with my brain. Um, Otherwise, you're going to be miserable for a large portion of your job because a large portion of your job as CMO at a private equity-backed company is managing the budget and managing expectations around it and staying in sync with finance. Um, And then whether or not, so I would have liked a marketing playbook just because then at least I could deliver, deliver what they expect, execute, etc. But if you're a more creative type that really likes to do their own thing and loves to be on the cutting edge, um, then private equity backed companies that tend to have playbooks, right? Vista owned companies, they're probably the most famous. Um, You might want to avoid because they will cramp your style.
0: Okay. And that is, you know, that is a key consideration because you think about by the time someone gets to, you know, leading marketing, whether that's VP, CMO, you have different career experiences and and some people are going to be stronger in some areas versus others and like that's really the you know beauty of the space is that you there's a lot of paths to get to the same outcome but in considering what kind of companies you want to go to that is that is really key um something that you mentioned that i think you know whether you are private equity backed or not that i think would be valuable is when you have a very financially minded leadership team, you know, whether it's a board or otherwise, um, any advice on really pushing forward those larger expenditures that may not have a clear line to how they're going to pay off
1: like that. do it up. when you raised that helps. Hey, <laughs> don't ask how many contracts I got signed right after our race. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I guess, I guess
1: timing is everything in that. It's timing like, is everything. Be prepared. Uh, yeah. Um, if you can't directly tie things to results, tie them to pain and know your audience. If you have tech founders that you're working for, tech, you know, tech leaderships that you're, that you're working for, the pain is not going to be as sales driven as if, if you've had a go to market CEO, for example. So understand and play on that pain um, if you can't tie it straight to revenue.
0: That's awesome. That that's that I'm like, you know, I have not worked in PE backed. But I'm like, and I don't know that I ever will, but I'm like, okay, this is a good, (laughs) this is a good note. Cause I know, you know, work with a variety of different clients and some of my clients are smaller and, you know, backed by private equity firms. And, you know, as I'm advising, you know, head of marketing, like I'm like intaking all of this for my own selfish benefit.
1: (laughs) So different. Cause you can take bigger bets when you're not private equity backed. Um, And it's not that you can never take a big bet, but it's only probably with some of the more aggressive growth minded firms that you can do it. Otherwise they're going to be conservative finance people.
0: Okay. And that, so that in considering which company you're going to understanding whether they are more, you know, what is it hyper growth where they're a little right. bit more aggressive versus, you know, more conservative in that. Yes. Um, In what are the advantages? So we've talked about some of the challenges. Um, what, like, is there any, you know, if someone is considering, you know, PE backed versus VC or, right. you know, a, a larger uh, public organization, like what's that, you know, what's that personality or that that yeah. thing that says like, yeah, this is where I wanna be.
1: I mean, advantages, at least as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure that a lot of our colleagues can list out a bunch of different ones. Um, they usually feel a bit more stable, right? You're not on the venture roller coaster of spend, spend, spend. Ah, it's harder to fundraise than we thought, and oh my gosh, we gotta spend again, right? It's a, it's a little less. Uh, it, it jerks you around a little bit less because honestly, you know from the top line revenue, you know how much you're gonna have to spend because you know that you're worshiping at the feet of EBITDA, right? Um, you also know that you're gonna have an exit in five years or obviously less because they're trying for a five-year horizon. And so assuming that you get equity as part of your package, which if you're C-suite, you probably do, you're going to get some payback there um, more reliably than you will from venture. So those I think are the two big ones that could be considered advantages.
0: Okay. So it's almost like uh, choosing where you want to be is... Somewhat of an investment strategy, kind of. There's, you know, there's a bigger risk, and in that risk, it's almost to, you know, sort of the pain and stress that you go through in the process. Yeah. But there's also a bigger reward on the back end,
1: or a more reliable re- Yeah, there's a, probably a bigger venture reward, but also I have a fair amount of useless stock from some of my previous venture-backed companies. So, so yeah, it's that it's that balance. Okay.
0: Um, So let's talk a little bit about kind of the day to day of, you know, we know we got to focus on being budget minded um, and, and, you know, talking to the finance uh, people, (laughs) uh, you know, with a little little bit of a French accent. Um, But in terms of actually like getting things done, are there places where you see that private equity brings challenges that you don't see other places?
1: Um, You'll never grow your team fast enough. And so you will be making more trade-offs. And if you like trade-offs, I don't know who does, but (laughs) if, or if you like, so for me, I I actually treat the whole budget and trade-offs thing almost like a video game, right? So for me, there's at least a little bit of fun there, Um, but you're not gonna grow as fast as you want. Like your budget is your budget and you can shift things around. So you, yeah. It's all about the trade-offs on on the day-to-day. And so, for example, at a private equity-backed company, I had a marketing team of five. um, And now I'm at a venture-backed company of about the same time, and I have a team of 12. There's a very big difference in what my team can do.
0: Yeah, I was having a chat, just kind of a virtual coffee with someone who connected with me on LinkedIn, and she's VP of marketing for uh, a PE-backed firm, and she's a team of two. Exactly. And so it's, it's her and it's one person that's more in a doer kind of role. Mm-hmm. And so just even hearing what, you know, I mean, we're a small company, so I have my hands in a lot, but just hearing all the things that she kind of had her hands in, it was like, whoa, like when do you sleep? Like, oh,
1: yeah. And you hear your, you hear your venture backed colleagues and your pub, public company colleagues talk about doing this and that and this and that. And you're like, I'm barely surviving over here. Like we, we chose like one big initiative and like, that's all we can do. Um, and that is, that is also
0: key as well. Cause there is in those trade-offs comes a little bit of volume in, you know, even if you've got the budget, do you have the resources and ability to actually- right execute.
1: And that's why the playbooks are nice, because at least then you've got something that they'll spend on. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because it's kind of vetted.
0: Yes. Um, Do you see where the those same resourcing challenges exist in other areas of the business that
1: then kind of bleed into marketing? Um, It depends on your business, obviously. Sometimes they've invested too much in ops. Sometimes they haven't invested enough. It's very strange to work at a company where the finance team is twice the size of the marketing team, but there you have it. Um, There's the, the folks that are more directly tied to revenue, basically sales and finance, will tend not to have the resource constraints. And it can be, that can be to your advantage if you're suddenly like, I think sales enablement should really live over in sales. And then you've got something covered that maybe product marketing used to cover. Uh, okay, so
0: yeah. So and, again, it is kind of yeah. those trade-offs. Like yep. if you move sales enablement to sales, you kind of lose control over what's happening, but then you're also not accountable to that
1: budget right. It's one less thing your tiny little team has to do and spend for.
0: Yes. But then, you know, it's it's almost like, does sales enablement in sales actually work effectively, which is, you know, yeah. debatable. That's a, that's a
1: completely different day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, different battle for a different day. Um, okay. So anything that I have not thought to ask about that you're like, if you're in a PE-backed or considering a PE-backed, you've got to know this.
1: It's really, I, I said it up front, it's budget, it's numbers. It's all about the numbers. And if you don't like the numbers, don't. Don't do it. Okay.
0: <laughs> so th- that, is, that is the key advice. So... <laughs> Talking about our, cha- you know, our challenges is the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. Um, and so in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client some homework, but at Revenue Rehab, I like to kind of flip that on the tit. Um, and I'm going to ask you to give us some homework because uh, when you know better, you do better. Uh, and so I'd like you to kind of summarize your key takeaways, which I think you just hit on the key point. It's about the numbers focus on the budget.
1: Sorry, I jumped uh, the gun there. <laughs>
0: No, quite all right. But the other thing would be, what is that one thing? Like we try, you know, so often there's, you know, conversations and you have all these like 50 steps of things to do and people are like, how do I get started? Um, So if you are someone who is at a PE-backed firm and let's say not feeling good about how it's going, what's, you know, because I'm trying to narrow it a little bit because I know there's a lot of directions, but what is kind of that one next thing? What is the first thing you can do to try and move in the right direction?
1: Discover where your board members are coming from and your CFO can probably help you.
0: Okay. So that's the, that, that's that key relationship. So if we want to, you know, invite the CFO to coffee or lunch, or, you know, I'm assuming people are in person, which. It's kind of a weird thing right now, Um, (laughs) but, you know, build that relationship if you don't already have it with the CFO to understand where the board is coming from.
1: Sometimes your CEO will help you with that, but your CFO, because it's all about the budget and the numbers, I like starting there.
0: Um, Well, I have enjoyed our discussion today, um, but that's our time for today. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, And thanks everyone for joining us today. I hope you have enjoyed the conversation with Jen. I can't believe that we are already at the end, but thanks everyone for joining this week and see you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab Live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.